Welcome to the third episode of the Cross-Border Interviews Huntington's Awareness Week. I'm Christopher Brown, the host of the show, and today we are sitting down and chatting with Heather Dodds. Heather is the current president of the Southern Alberta chapter of the Huntington Society of Canada. In this episode, Heather and I talk about her father, who was diagnosed with Huntington's seven years ago, how a Huntington Society conference in Halifax changed her need to give back to the community. And we also talk about how the Southern Alberta chapter helps families who have had their lives changed because of Huntington's. To be upfront, I was unsure beforehand about if Heather would want to talk about her feelings, her desires to get tested after her father found out. And it wasn't until after the interview was completed did she tell me she was surprised that I hadn't asked her about it. I asked her if she was willing to chat about it, and she was happy to oblige. So during this episode, you will hear the post-interview spliced in with the full episode. So, please enjoy Cross-Border Interviews Huntington's Awareness Week featuring Heather Dodds. Thank you very much for sitting down and talking about uh, a Huntington's disease and also the Southern Alberta chapter of the Huntington Society of Canada. So thank you very much for that. No problem. So um, uh, just to get it out of the way, uh, how how are you connected with uh, Huntington's disease? How has it affected your life or changed your life? It was... Hmm. Maybe about seven years ago now, my parents, so it's on um, my father's side, and we noticed a bit of a change in my dad's behavior about seven, eight years ago, and nobody really knew what it was. Nobody was overly concerned about it. Um, And then they moved, and he got a new doctor, and it was the doctor that identified some of his traits, his behaviors, as potentially being a neurological disease. And so it was the doctor that that really spotted it, identified it. And um, through that, they got connected. My mom and dad got connected with the genetic counseling, movement disorder clinic at the Foothills Hospital. And uh, he went through with the genetic test to determine that it was Huntington's disease. So prior to that diagnosis uh, seven years ago, uh, had you heard about Huntington's disease? Was it something that was even talked about in your family because it is a genetic uh, uh, virus that is a genetic uh, mutation that's passed down from uh, uh, family member to family member? So had you known about it prior to that? Mm -hmm. No, we actually hadn't. So my father inherited the gene from his mother, my grandma, who died in 1978. And so my dad actually is considered to be late onset Huntington's disease. So he was well into his 60s when he was diagnosed. So that is considered late onset. And his mom, who he inherited the gene from, passed away in her 50s. And she herself was not symptomatic or was, wasn't was symptomatic enough to raise any eyebrows. Um, and she passed away from a completely unrelated disease. So she didn't develop any symptoms for people to stop and question her or her health in that way. But once 
my dad received his um, diagnosis, he was able to obtain some records from a Camrose hospital, <clears throat> excuse me, where one of his uncles and one of his aunts, so my grandmother's brother and sister, had been institutionalized. And when reading the medical records, it really does sound like they both had Huntington's disease. It just wasn't called Huntington's disease back then. So this would have been, you know, back in the 50s, 40s, 50s. Um, and they both suffered from substance abuse, which it can be quite common with people who suffer from Huntington's disease. And so they were institutionalized and they passed away in the institution. And um, But they obviously never received the diagnosis of Huntington's disease. And just to clarify, um, the um, the official uh, diagnosis didn't really come about until uh, early 1990s when the uh, name Huntington's disease sort of became prominent, correct? That's correct, yes. So the, I believe the geneticist who discovered it, discovered it quite some time ago, but they weren't able to identify it until the 90s and then have the blood test available, readily available to the public in the 90s so um how has this changed you uh how, how has this changed your life how, how did that uh initial diagnosis of your father seven years ago when you found out the word what was happening um what 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 changed in your life did you start uh redoing research on huntington's or was it more of a we need to look after dad now um, I think it was a combination of the two because we didn't know anything about the disease. I knew of somebody whose father had it and then she had it and I, I'm now actually connected with that family because they're here in Calgary, but it, it didn't mean anything to me at the time. And so we certainly as a family sat down and, and did some research um, looking into what, the, what it meant. I think one of the biggest things we had what definitely a big concern and a big relief actually when oddly to get this diagnosis was that we didn't waste any time by not knowing so um, there currently is no treatment and currently is no cure nor is there a way to slow the progression of the disease so we didn't miss out on any opportunities by not knowing and by you know through discussions we've had with a lot of people that may have actually benefited my dad by not having this diagnosis lingering in his you know the back of his mind his entire life he just lived his life and he was very lucky and still is lucky he's alive today um, to live a very productive life and um, and not have the impending future of, of what the disease can do to you looming over him and the family. So we spent, you know, the next few years um, getting to know people in the community. My parents certainly embraced the community way before I did. I was very reluctant. I think I was in denial about what was going on. And <clears throat> part of me, I was um, pretty upset. I, I'm an only child and my, my parents... Um, are really my only family so to have to grapple with you know them aging just generally and now aging with this disease compounding things um it was it was um it took me a while to come around and so they got quite involved they went to meetings through the social worker they went to some of the fundraisers and i for the first two years i wasn't particularly interested in getting involved 
But every two years, uh, there's a national conference held somewhere in Canada. And um, in this case, it was six, I guess, five years ago in Halifax. And my dad had asked me to go and I was very reluctant. And so I first said no, I wasn't particularly interested. And then I thought, well, you know, I used to live in Halifax and this might be a good opportunity to connect with some old friends. So um, I agreed to go to the conference and that's when my whole perspective on the disease and the people affected by the disease changed. And now what do you mean by that? How, how did that, how did going to that conference change? Was it people that you met speakers that you heard from or what was, what was that initial, uh, what was that switch that flicked in your mind that said, you know what, it, it's changed my perspective. It was getting to know people who have very courageously lived with this disease either directly or indirectly for a really long time and to meet the founders well the 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 one woman um she, her husband Ralph has passed away but to meet the founders of the Huntington Society of Canada and the fact that they're still working towards supporting um people and families directly or indirectly affected by the disease and it it, it was amazing that even I met people who, um, because, you know, it, you have a 50-50 chance of inheriting it from your parent and they don't inherit it and their parent passes on, but they still continue to be very heavily involved in the community because they understand how devastating this disease can be and the importance of the work that the volunteers do and the, and the society itself does in terms of research and family services and advocacy. And it was amazing, just an amazing group of people. Uh, so your father was diagnosed seven years ago uh, with HD. Um, one of the things that people might cons- uh, might uh, feel once that they find out a family member is uh, positive for that m- mutated gene is uh, finding out if they are. Was that something that you would ever consider? Uh, it's interesting. So for like uh, when I first learned about this and, and, um, was contemplating it and, and, you know, not just the impacts on my dad, but what it could mean to me. Um, yeah, no, my, my first instinct was absolutely not. I'm not getting this test. I don't need to get this test. I don't want to get this test. I don't need to know. I don't want this to be a burden to me. I don't want this to be a burden to my dad. You know, we just need to make the most of the time that we have left and we'll just go from there. And I received a lot of similar advice. Um, I made a lot of great connections at the first conference I went to, which, you know, completely changed my, my opinion on being involved and, and doing what I can to help move the, you know, some of the, the advocacy and awareness forward. And a lot of people gave the, the advice, whether they were caregivers or at risk or gene positive, um, was, if you can just carry on, just carry on, live your life the best that you can um, until you can't and then maybe start looking. And I think the reason they gave me that advice is I'm probably in a very different position in that at the time that my dad was diagnosed, I didn't have children. And 
I had no intention of having children and I haven't had children. So um, I'm in a, a, a bit of a different category in that I, I don't have the concern of passing it on to anyone else. So if I am gene positive right now, it's not impacting my life at all. And I don't think I, I am of the belief that the reason my dad has made it so far in life the way that he has is because he didn't know. And so I don't need to know right now. However, <laughs> so, so I haven't, I haven't been tested. Um, be in the last few years, the, um, research has has evolved immensely and so the first conference I went to was as I said the people were amazing and I was like man these people are just fantastic and they've been working so hard for so many years um but wow they're not really getting anywhere with regards to treatment or a cure and but wow they just keep going but then the last uh conference which was in Kelowna the vibe was completely different. Everyone is really excited because they're making really, really interesting advances in understanding the gene and how it works. And um, they're still very, very far off from a treatment or a cure. Um, I need to make that very clear. I don't want to raise anyone's expectations, but there's a lot of progress being made. And a lot of it is because it's a very collaborative environment. Um, where the, that the researchers work in. So now I'm starting to change my thought process that perhaps I do want to know if I am gene positive. So then I would be eligible for, um, drug trials once we get there. Um, because I think that is probably the next step in the evolution of, of the research and, and the working that a lot of good work that's going towards a treatment and a cure. So I think I will, soon <laughs> but uh it's not something that's on the radar right now no so no. um have you talked to your father about this or yes. did you talk to your father about this when he first got diagnosed because uh like you said uh seven years ago uh, your father found out and then at that time that predictive testing that we're talking about was available but you decided and did he was he in agreement that you shouldn't get it or was there a apprehensive that he would want his daughter to know that he she might be going through this as well no he was fully supportive of my decision to do that to to not have the the test and to just make the most out of life and I had no no concern I mean it's a 50-50 chance right and I have, have still really have very few concerns that uh, I might be gene positive um, and so no very supportive of my decision to not have that done um, however I have told him about you know I might consider doing it in the future if the, um, the need for more more people to participate in drug trials is there with him now knowing with him knowing that final diagnosis that officially this is what i have this is the reason why things are happening the way they are did you see a change in him more of a I've got to live day, uh, my life to the fullest now because you said uh, when you were thinking about it, I'm the reason why your dad has done so well is because he lived his life so full. Is that still happening or was that still happening after that diagnosis? 
Yes, but it there was a definite period of adjustment. Um, and so he had to adjust some of his activities. Um, I can't say, though, that knowing instantly changed anything. Um, I, I, it's been a fairly, thankfully, knock on wood, slow progression for my dad, which is typical with late onset. Um, but he also has just general aging things to deal with <laughs> yeah. at the same time. So we, we're like, is that the disease or is that just your, your old now? <laughs> so, um, it, it, it does pose some different challenges, but he, we work together really hard as a family to adjust his lifestyle so that he would be safe. And the biggest thing was um, he has acute osteoporosis, which in some people that is a, a symptom of the disease and, and it is in his case. And so he had to stop some of his activities that he had been you know, just doing without really giving it a lot of second thought. Only because now you know the risk and so, or you know the hazard and you want to mitigate that, the risk of falling and, and whatnot. So, um, but we found some alternative activities that he was able to embrace eventually. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, back to that genetic testing that uh, you've decided not to do now, but it could be something in the future. Um, what advice would you have for people who are going through the same thing that you're going through? Everyone's uh, advice is going to be different. I understand yeah. that depending on which route you take. Uh, but what advice would you give them? Is it up to them or is there a bigger underlying thing that you would want to hear if you were going through the same thing again seven years ago? I, it is a, it's a very, very personal decision. And I think... I I don't know. It's really hard to say because so many people find out about the disease, you know, later in life after they've already made certain decisions. And um, I don't know. You can do your best to inform yourself of, of everything. Um, and one way of doing that is, is connecting with our, our chapter and, and some of the support groups, either through Shelly, our social worker, or some of the more informal things that we do to talk to people. Um, we have a lot of people part that are part of the YPAD, the young people affected by HD group. Um, and they're obviously in a very different phase in their life than I was when I found out about the, the disease being in our family. So just talking to people and bouncing ideas. Um, but really at the end of the day, it's, it's your decision and it should be respected. Do you mind me asking how old your father was when he was diagnosed? 67. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we are extremely, extremely fortunate because he was able to work his whole life. Um, so he, you know, has savings and he gets his full pension and, and a lot of people with Huntington's can't work as fully as they want to and uh, really really can impact them in their in you know their everyday life so yeah we're very very fortunate and which is one of the reasons why you know we like to contribute to the chapters events and fundraising and whatnot 
So that was five years ago. So that was 2015 when uh, the conference was in Halifax. What what sparked you to get involved locally here in the Southern Alberta chapter? Was it that conference that sort of sparked no. that interest or was there another uh, issue that came up? Not issue, but another moment that came up. <laughs> um. It was getting to know some of the people from the well Southern Alberta chapter in Halifax. So I, I didn't have much of a connection with anybody at that point in time. And then, of course, some relationships were formed. And then I just out of a desire to spend more time with my dad, I decided to get more involved with some of the events that the chapter was doing. And... Um, and you know, my parents have always taught me to give back when you can, and I, it was a—it was just an opportunity that came about. So, it, as I said, you know, it's a familial disease, and we often rely on a lot of the same families to support either the chapter and our fundraising initiatives, and and people get a little tired, and you know, their their circumstances change, and. Um, I was just in a position where my dad is in a fairly good and stable place with the disease and I'm able to give some time back to the community that's been really good to us so far. So uh, it was the former president, I guess it would be the past past president, approached me at one of the fundraising events and asked me if I would be interested in taking on the role of the president. And so I then talked to the, who was the current president at the time, and we agreed that I would shadow her for a year and then I would take on the president role for two years. So I'm partway through my second year. Okay. So um, for those listening right now, in your own words, what is the Southern Alberta chapter of the Huntington Society of Canada? We are a group of really, really motivated fundraisers for the most part. Um, so, so there's there's 30 chapters across Canada, um, and uh, we all are you know striving towards the same goal, which is ultimately to find a treatment or a cure for the disease. But in the meantime, to, you know, provide the best support to families. Uh, who are grappling with the disease on a daily basis. So um, chapters sort of focus their efforts on a few different areas, education, advocacy, fundraising. And we really, we kind of hit our stride with fundraising. We're one of the top fundraising chapters in Canada. And we take great pride in that. And uh, that's what keeps us motivated. Um, I have some numbers. So the overall, um, uh, you know, between the 30 volunteer-led chapters and initiatives, we raise about $1.4 million a year, which is a third of Huntington Society of Canada's operating budget. And so that's between the 30 uh, volunteer-led uh, uh, chapters, that yep. 1.4? Okay. Yep. And last year alone... Um, the Southern Alberta chapter raised $145,000. Wow. Yeah, and so and we're not we're not a particularly big chapter. <laughs> so there's a, a handful of us that uh, definitely throw a lot of effort into it. Um, 
our biggest event currently is the run and walk that we have, which usually happens in June and it will happen in June this year as well, but we're going virtual this year due to the pandemic and our inability to, um, gather. Uh, so we raised $74,000 last year on that. And of course, um, our expectations are a bit lower this year, but, um, you never know. I mean, our, our, our community is a great group of people. So, so how do uh, people get involved? How do people sign up for the uh, run and walk? Uh, because hmm. we're trying to get people uh, to know about Huntington's disease and finding a cure and help you guys out. So how do people get involved and get uh, signed up to do this virtual run and walk? That's a really good question. So we have a website and I'm just pulling it up now. Um, if you go to the, just the HuntingtonSociety.ca website, um, you can find events near you using um, that or um, you can do community events, which would have our particular event listed. And so we just switched to a virtual uh, platform a couple of weeks ago. And so under virtual events at HuntingtonSociety.ca, you'll see our Southern Alberta Hope Run, which is scheduled for June 27th, 2020. And now what, what's involved with the run and walk? Is it, do you have to walk a certain distance or is it, what, what's the details around it? Just for those people who are thinking about doing it and want to potentially help out and see what the re uh, requirements are. Um, if When you go to the website, uh, there's quite a bit there, uh, the link, and we are encouraging people to participate five kilometers, um, either a run or walk, um, or they can sign up for a 10 kilometer run or walk as well. Um, but we, we won't hold people to that. Um, <laughs> it's pretty hard to track people. Uh, and everyone is encouraged to do it on that day, but you know, life happens. So if the 27th of June doesn't work, uh, you can, you're free to do it, um, another day, but we are asking people to join us on June 27th at, at 10 AM to virtually walk your five kilometers. And so if that's on a treadmill, if that's doing 50 laps in your backyard or around your neighborhood, you know, obviously while social distancing, um, we definitely want people to be safe while doing this. So, um, that's a great way. Um, so you can donate directly. You can look for team names in there. If you have friends and family, um, if you register by June 15th, you can get a free t-shirt included, um, but for, that's for pickup only. We're trying to reduce our costs. It's only $25 to register, um, and if you opt not to take a t-shirt, then uh, you'll get a tax receipt for that $25. And we have an early bird incentive. So if you register prior to June 1st, you'll be entered into a draw for $150 coupon or gift card from Save on Foods. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so Southern Alberta is a large, uh, the Southern Alberta chapter is a large area, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes, it covers from Red Deer South. So Red Deer, Medicine Hat, Lethbridge, Calgary, even Canmore and Banff. So all those areas who are who's ever listening, reach out. Um, the I'll, I'll link the website and the run information in the show notes as well. So that way people can click on that and go right to it and sign up. Um, what other events do you have throughout the year? Because uh, as you say, that is one of the biggest events that you do hold. But yeah. Uh, 
you are probably trying to raise as much money as you possibly can to find a cure or find treatment, I should say. Um, so what other events that do you have throughout the year? Right now, we don't have anything planned um, because this is is new. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so some of the ideas that we have been floating are are not going to come to fruition this year. We don't expect, but. Um, we used to have a, a gala. It was called The Night to Flourish. And um, that raised, I think it ran for 25 years and raised over $250,000. And we haven't quite filled that gap in our fall fundraising events. But uh, last year we did do a paint night, um, which was, um, it was a smaller event. Um, I think it raised about $2,500, but it still got a little bit of money in. Um, but in the fall, and again, this is a nation nationwide campaign we sell amaryllis bulbs okay um if you haven't ever seen an amaryllis bloom in your kitchen in the middle of winter you don't know what you're missing they're amazing um a little burst of of uh color in the middle of winter and they're great gifts uh for christmas time so we start selling those around mid mid-September through to mid-October and the Southern Alberta chapter again is one of the biggest sellers of Amaryllis although it's not included directly in our fundraising numbers um, and that's because anyone can go to the Huntington Society website and purchase them directly but we have an amazing volunteer who's been doing it for years and she houses all of our bulbs that come in so they, she gets a big flatbed truck come in and she's got a really nice heated garage and she stores everything for us and uh, we, the people who've volunteered to sell them come and pick them up and so we sell about $70,000 worth of Amarillo bulbs every year so that will start in the fall I can get you um, our volunteers name I know she's been very open with uh, sharing her email in the past but I just want to confirm with her first no understandable if you can uh, get that information we'll get that up there as well so that way if people do want a amaryllis uh, in the fall uh, to bloom in the winter they can certainly reach out to that volunteer yeah, that would be great. Um, they are, they're really nice gifts and they come in a nice box with instructions and a pot and soil. So it's a no brainer and, uh, perfect for my on green yeah. thumb. It would be perfect. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> um, now the money that you do raise that, uh, that, uh, that you get from donations um, you, you, while it goes to finding a treatment, um, does it go to support families as well who are in the Southern Alberta chapter? Yes. Yep, absolutely. Um, so what are some of those supports that the Southern Alberta chapter uh, provides to families? Well, as a, so the, it's sort of broken into two um, so the money that we raise, every cent that we raise goes right back to the Huntington Society of Canada, it goes into their pot and they have their big budget and it's all distributed throughout the country. And honestly, the biggest expense is our uh, family support services, which are really the social workers. Um, and so I know you're, you're going to be speaking to Shelley and Bernie, our two wonderful social workers here in Alberta, uh, on a different interview. So I don't want to steal their thunder, what they do. Um, and Corey. But, <laughs> oh, yes. And Corey from head office. Yes. yes. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting Corey yet. Um, so uh, obviously the, the money we raise goes directly to supporting the work that they do. 
and as well as research. So it's kind of split into two pots. Um, but from what we do as the chapter. A, a chapter, um, and you know, I experienced this firsthand when I first started going to chapter meetings and and some of the fundraising events. Is really we we break down the isolation that this disease seems to bring to families. There's a, often a lot of shame and embarrassment associated with Huntington's disease because a lot of people don't know about it. Um, they don't understand it. Um, so it's really hard. And it's, it's, it's the disease manifests itself differently in every person. So it's really hard to, at least this was my experience. I had a really hard time explaining to people what might happen to my dad because first we don't know. And second, it, you know, it, 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 for everyone, it's so different. And so to meet, just meet people that were going through the same thing that had, or had already gone through the same thing. Um, yeah, it was, it was good. It was good to know that there were other people out there with the same questions, the same concerns, the same fears that, you know, um, so I didn't, I know for my family, we just didn't feel alone, which was, it was amazing. Um, we generate a lot of awareness. Um, we're kind of a boisterous cloud group here in Southern Alberta. Um, so and we spend a lot of, go ahead. No, go ahead. And on the education part of it, because, uh, one of the big, uh, misinformations that I, I see is not a lot of people know about Huntington's disease. It's yeah. not uh, and I, I'm not comparing apples to oranges here, but uh, like cancer uh, uh, it, it's out there everyone seems to talk about it. With Huntington's it's not, like you said, there's a shame to it so people don't talk about it. Um, yeah. When you're, when the chapter is trying to educate the public, how is that working? Is it through uh, commercials? Is it through pamphlets? What is the chapter doing to educate the residents of the Southern Alberta area or Canada in general to know more about this disease? So what we do from our chapter level is there's a, a few different things. So we participate with Health Partners, which is an organization through the Government of Canada. And um, in both Calgary and Edmonton, when there's a call out for uh, speakers to present, it's usually to the Canada Revenue Agency or other federal agencies and departments that are based in Alberta. So we do lunch and learns. I've given uh, presentations to the CRA. Uh, we participate in the, um, they have health fairs in the fall. And so we set up a booth and uh, I've manned that a couple of years with my parents, um, which is great. You know, my, like, to, for people to actually see somebody who is currently living with the disease, um, and so we just talk about it and try and educate people. And I mean, that might only be 200 people at a time, but that's still 200 more people that know about the disease that didn't know about the disease before. Um, the same with amaryllis. Um, the amaryllis campaign, I know a lot of us sell them in our workplaces and, you know, we each workplace has its own way of distributing information. And I know the first time I sold it at work, um, people were like, wow, this is great. Like, and you know, then they're like, well, how, why, how did you get involved? Why are you doing this? And so I'm happy to talk about it. Um, 
to with anybody um, to break down those barriers and, and and wash away that stigma about the disease that that does still exist to this day. So um, we typically don't do big splashy commercials or anything like that. It is a really word of mouth grassroots effort, but that is the basis of our, of the whole society. So. Um, yeah. Okay. So now, um, uh, one of the reasons why uh, this week of shows came about was May being uh, Huntington's Awareness Month. Uh, how is the Southern Alberta chapter marking this month? And I know this is kind of a unique year with COVID nineteen being so prominent. But how are you? How how is the Southern Alberta chapter marking uh, uh, Huntington's Awareness Month? Hmm. So we have a volunteer that has worked very diligently with uh, the city of Calgary, even despite the pandemic. Um, and so we have an evening where it's lighted up for HD. The, that's the our, Calgary Tower? Yep. Yep. And so that happened on Friday, May 1st. Um, so we had a lighted up for HD campaign and through that we had the Calgary Tower, Olympic Plaza, Arts Commons, Reconciliation Bridge and the Jubilee all lit up in blue and purple. Wow. For yeah, raising awareness for Huntington's disease. Um we also were able to successfully this year. We didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, the uh, the Honorable Mayor Nenchi uh, proclaimed May to be Huntington Disease Awareness Month again in the city of Calgary. He did that last year. And I believe the year before, last year we were actually able to have a flag raising ceremony uh, at Olympic, sorry, at Municipal Plaza. Um, the mayor wasn't able to make it that day. He had had, <laughs> this is kind of a funny story. So uh, one of the councillors came out and met us and, you know, um, we gave us the proclamation and shook our hand and we raised the flag and um and then we were inside just taking some photos and I saw Marinenci. <laughs> so I was like, what? We were told he wasn't able to come. So I literally was running down the hall in the middle of the municipal building yelling, Marinenci, Marinenci. <laughs> and so he very graciously came over and took a photo with us. So he'd had eye surgery and he didn't, he couldn't go outside. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he couldn't do the flag raising ceremony with us, but he was more than happy to take a photo with us with his, his big heavy glasses on protecting his eyes so <laughs> I think he's scared of me now though <laughs> <laughs> but hey it's good that you're getting that awareness out there even on a municipal level right because um one proclamation can get a conversation started two or three conversations started so even that small uh, gesture from the municipality this year probably means a lot to your organization absolutely yeah we will take anything and uh you know we we just keep keep at it and, and i know we did have some bigger aspirations for this year but of course due to the pandemic um they were not able to come to fruition because we do, I feel like our chapter is gaining some momentum with some of these. I believe Okotoks last year also uh, proclaimed uh, May to be Huntington Disease Awareness Month. So we were optimistic that that would happen again as well as some other places. But um, it just, municipalities have a lot to deal with right now. Slow and steady wins the race, though. Um, yep. How do people get involved? Um and there's two parts of this question. How do people get involved? And are you 
only looking for volunteers who have been affected uh, family-wise, friends-wise by Huntington's because that might be a misconception that while I want to help, I, I, I can't help in the way that they want because I don't know what they're going through. So how do people get involved and can all people get involved by helping out? For sure. Absolutely. Everybody can get involved. <laughs> well, the more, the merrier. Uh, many hands make light work. So how do people speak. get involved then? Well, there's a few things. Um, so we're always really open to providing support to anybody who might want to take on the initiative of, of hosting a fundraising event or organizing a fundraising event. And so... Our, our walk really like it's sort of our flagship Keystone event, um, and it's it's relatively big, um, but we're open to holding all kinds of events, whether they be game nights, um, yoga, yeah, you know, and a lot of those can actually successfully be hosted on a virtual platform. So we have a, a, a really good virtual platform available to us through the Huntington Society of Canada. Um, and honestly, if anybody, they can, they can email me, um, the email address is hdcalgary at gmail.com. Sorry, I don't email myself very often. <laughs> it's like me calling myself um, on when someone asks for my cell phone, you never know what your cell phone number is because you never call it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so that's an option. They can get in touch with us that way. They can also get in touch with us through the Huntington Society of Canada, um, the, everyone there knows everyone over here. So if they need to uh, forward on an email or an inquiry, they can certainly do that. And as I said, you know, you don't have to be affected by it directly or indirectly. You don't even have to know anybody. Um, just as anybody who's interested in raising funds or awareness or advocating on behalf of, of families, um, we're certainly open to to having people participate. But probably the easiest way is is through our uh, Gmail account. And I'm just going to confirm that it, I do have it correct. <laughs> okay, no problem. Um, so, um, Heather, uh, I, I, I appreciate you taking your time today and uh, uh, sitting down with me and talking about the Southern Alberta chapter, a bit about your story, just to uh, how you got involved with the Southern Alberta chapter. Uh, it's been greatly appreciated. Um, uh, I, I, I will be I can be blunt and say that I will be signing up for that uh, walk on the 27th of June to walk or walk. I'll, I'll be walking 25 uh, kilometers, try and get some exercise in me as I've been stuck inside for three weeks with COVID and just recovered. So I will be getting out and helping you uh, raise some money for the Southern Alberta chapter for sure. Thank you so much. It's much appreciated. No problem. So, uh, I, again, I want to thank you very much for doing this. Uh, I will link the website, the link to the uh, the uh, the walk and run for on the 27th in the show notes. And also, once you've confirmed that that Gmail account or that uh, Gmail email address is the correct one, I will also link that to the show notes as well. So that way, if anyone's listening, they want to reach out to Heather, they can uh, reach out to you via email or through the website as well yes perfect yes and i can confirm it is hdcalgary at gmail.com <laughs> awesome excellent so hdcalgary all one word at gmail.com yep perfect uh thank you very much heather greatly appreciate it once again oh my pleasure 
And once again, I want to thank our guests for coming in, sitting down and telling their story. If you want to learn more about Huntington's disease, please visit HuntingtonSociety.ca. While there, please feel free to reach out to your local chapter, get involved. But if you can, please donate. Your donation can help families across Canada. The Cross Border Interview Podcast was produced by Miranda Brown and Associates Incorporated. And once again, I And once again, I'm your host Christopher Brown. We will be back tomorrow with another great episode of the Cross Border Interviews Huntington Awareness Week. Oh.